The sermon lesson is from the book of Proverbs. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a relative who is far away. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. This is the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for your grace that is always pursuing, always reaching out, always inviting in. And we ask that that same grace would be at work in a very powerful way this morning, that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear and receive and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So during the season of Lent, we're taking these few weeks leading up to Easter to go through a a brief series on Proverbs. And Proverbs is all about wisdom. But wisdom is not all about head knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is about living a life in line with God's design that leads to true human flourishing. And one of the things that makes Proverbs unique is the various aspects of life that it addresses and the the detail that it, it gives. And we've already seen this in the past few weeks as we've seen this wisdom applied to self-control. We've seen this wisdom in in the power of words, and today we're looking at this topic of friendship. And friendship is something that every single person in here is familiar with. We have all experienced both the joys and the pains that come alongside with friendship. And friendship is also something that is hardwired into our culture. Think about different friendships that we've seen from Han Solo and Chewbacca Sam and Frodo, Harry Potter, Hermione and Ron, Moana and Maui, Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed, Watson and Sherlock, Leslie Nope and Ron, Pooh and Tigger, Captain Kirk and Spock, Frog and Toad, Ted Lasso and Coach Beard, Seinfeld and George, Andy Dufresne and Red, The Golden Girls and my wife's favorite, Steel Magnolias. (laughs) It's interesting when you think about it, the best stories we have are stories of friendship. The best stories we have are stories of friendship. And that is because it is hardwired by God into our DNA as people that we are communal. That we were designed for a certain type of relationship. And so if we are to truly flourish as God's people, then friendship is something that we want to take very seriously. And so today, I just want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the design and the difficulty of friendship, and then the possibility and the power for friendship. And as I mentioned earlier in the opening welcome, we do have a big announcement from the building committee about some steps moving forward. And so what I'm going to say here is going to be a little bit Uh, briefer to give them some space and us some time to pray together. 
So first, friendship, the design and the difficulty. Some of you have read or have seen the movie Into the Wild that tracks a college student who graduates from memory, gives up all of his stuff, and pursues this somewhat of of an adventure and a a self-exploration into the wilderness of Alaska. And it, it ends tragically... And, and there's a, as they were going through his, his notes and his journals, they find a place that, that he underlined in, in a book that said, and so it turned out that only a life similar to the life of those around us, merging with it without a ripple is genuine life, and that an unshared happiness is not happiness. And they found that he wrote in the side, happiness is only real when shared. There's something that he discovered in the Alaskan wilderness about how we were designed to live in human relationships in a special way. This goes back to the very beginning. If you read the story of Genesis and Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there is this beautiful rhythm that happens through creation. And God said, and there it was, and God saw that it was good. There's this rhythm of God speaking and it's good. But then it's kind of like fingernails on a chalkboard screeching when you read these words and it was not good. And and that happens when we find that humanity is alone. And why this is such a problem is that God Himself exists in relationship. Yes, God is one, but also we believe this mysterious doctrine called the Trinity, that God exists in three persons. So, For all eternity, what you have is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in mutual relationship with one another. They live in community. Mutual love, mutual honor, mutual joy and delight. God Himself is communal. And so when God creates humanity in His image and there's no community, that's a problem. So God creating community is not just about marriage, but it's God saying, to reflect me, you must live with others in relationship and to reflect me together in your relationships. But what we all find as we try to do this is that relationships are difficult. Even though it's the design that God made us for and it's the path of true flourishing, that doesn't mean that it comes easy to us. Proverbs 26, many claim to have steadfast love, but a faithful friend who can find. Early on in the Bible, we find that something has gone wrong with our relationship with God. And something has gone wrong inside of us. Something is terribly off. And what happens is that offness in both of those relationships manifests itself in our relationship with other people. So the Bible all of a sudden becomes a story about how all of our relationships are sideways and going wrong in all sorts of different directions and in need of God to put them back in order and to bring healing and restoration. And so pursuing the kind of relationships that we were made for is risky. It requires a kind of vulnerability knowing that in the process we will get hurt We will hurt others. We will be disappointed and we will disappoint others. But I would say there's also more that makes relationships difficult. 
simple, pragmatic realities that they take time. They take energy. They take effort. These are limited resources for all of us that, that are scarce in our lives. And you have this strange dynamic that social media enables us to connect with more people than ever before, but often when you dig deeper, the depth of our relationships are actually much more shallow. And so we find ourselves being spread thin with all these shallow relationships, but have few deep what we could call true, true friendships. Another difficulty is that this friendships become more difficult as time goes on. So I think about the stages in my own life that I've been through. You know, I had my best friend when I was four and five and six and seven. And then, then we moved and I met some new friends that um, we grew up in middle school and high school together and had all sorts of memories together, um, awesome memories and hard memories. Then you go to college and, and there's a break with these old friends and you're kind of trying to keep track with them. And then you make new friends. And then after college, I remember Katie and I, decided to stay around here in Athens. We attended the university, and that's where we met. And I remember this slow trickle of all of our friends at church slowly moved away. And so then all of a sudden, we say, gosh, where, where are my friends from high school? Where are my friends from college? And then we make, we make new friends. Um, but what happens is that there is this turnover in our lives. And we've given so much over the years to friends, it's, it's hard to invest that same kind of energy to others. And so the older you get, the more difficult and scarce friendships become. And I would say that's especially true for men. Uh, men, as they get older, it seems more and more difficult to have these kind of vulnerable, close friendships. As you think about your own life, what, what stage are you in? What do friendships look like with you? In light of how you were designed and made, uh, what's your experience right now? What's your longing? Where, where is there frustration? Where is there room for more? So that's the design and difficulty of friendship. Now, what's the possibility and power for it? And when I say possibility, I just mean uh, what can friendship do? And, and there are, are many benefits, but I, I want to focus on two in particular, and that is how friendships can support us and how friendships shape us. Both are a part of how God has designed relationships. So first, how, how do friendships support us? There was a few, a few years back during the London Marathon, there was an interaction between two runners that garnered a lot of international attention. Matthew Reese was approaching the finish line, and he was running strong, and he was finishing strong. And then another runner right to his his right collapsed and fell to the ground. And in recalling the next series of events, Matthew Reese says this. He says, I was literally just about to get into my stride for the sprint finish. And then I saw David. And the point I saw him, he was clearly struggling and his legs just went out from underneath him and he fell to the ground. So I decided to forget my race. He had come so far, and after 26 miles of running, I wanted him to make the finish. I was trying to motivate him and keep him coherent. It was clear he wouldn't be able to do this alone. So I thought, stick with him. 
to make sure he did reach that finish line. I just kept on saying to him, you will finish. I will not leave your side. We will get to that finish line. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. In 1824, one of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The book of Hebrews pictures the Christian life as this long marathon-like race that we are running, but that we are not running alone, that we need help from one another. We need encouragement and we need to encourage one another. We need the kind of mutual support. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see this day approaching. The possibility for friendship in God's design is that it provides a support, an encouragement, a help to help us run, to help us love, to help us hope, to help us believe so that we're not left behind and others are not left behind. Friendship supports us. The second big possibility I want to focus on is how friendship shapes us. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians talks about community and how we are meant to speak the truth in love to one another. And Jesus Himself was described as someone who came who was full of grace and truth. Proverbs 27.17, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Last week, in talking about the power of words, we talked a little bit about a knife and how often our words are like a sharp knife that are used uh, to cut used to hurt and to harm others. And we talked about how our words are actually meant to to bring together and to build up. Our words are meant to heal. But as you think about it, doctors also use a kind of knife. One of their best tools is a scalpel. A scalpel is a very sharp knife. Uh, It's also a very small knife. Its, Its purpose is to to be able to give the doctor the ability to make precise incisions. But when the doctor uses this scalpel, is the doctor trying to hurt the patient? Is the doctor just trying to cut up the patient against their own good? The scalpel is a tool by which this medical professional can either cut out what is harmful or carefully dig below the surface to remove what is dangerous and deadly. Some, that's how Proverbs and Scripture sometimes expresses how we are to love one another. Our words and our love are not meant to be like these knives that just chop people up, but they are meant to be these careful, careful incisions that are made out of love, that are made out of, of grace. Think about Jesus' own life. He both comforted and He challenged. He supported and He sharpened. He affirmed and He warned. That's what love does. 
Jesus says in this passage before us, He says, No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. Jesus was a good friend to these disciples. And we see that in His love that not only welcomed and comforted, but also spoke incisive words of truth that shaped and changed everyone He touched. Thomas Merton, in one of his articles, talked about how Love seeks the good of the loved. He says, love seeks only one thing, the good of the one love. But then later in the same essay, he says, may God preserve me from the love of a friend who will never rebuke me. May God preserve me from the love of a friend who will never rebuke me. Um, Some of the most powerful change moments in my life have come from outside of myself. Not just me having this religious epiphany, but somebody noticing something in my life that was off and having the love and the courage and the humility to speak that, to take that scalpel and to do a careful incision and say, this is off. This is not in line with what you hope in and what you believe in the character and humility and love of Jesus. That's the design for us. We're meant to both be that for others and to have others be that for us. That's part of the possibility of friendship. It both supports and it's meant to shape in us. And this brings us to just our final point. And here's where we're going to land the plane. And and that's the power of this friendship. How, How do we become people like this who are willing to receive this kind of love from others, but who are also willing... Uh, to have courage and love, and who have the kind of humility that speaks and enters into these hard places with others. And I'll close with this passage that we read just a moment ago from the last night where where Jesus was about to be crucified and he He is spending time with His disciples explaining some of what He has already taught them and what is to come. And He he tells them this, greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is the friend par excellence. He is the ultimate pattern for what it looks like to be a good friend. Of someone who who puts the interests of others above himself. Of someone who enters in with love, humility, who who gives, who serves, who sacrifices, who forgives, who takes the weight of all of that on himself. The message of of the Christian faith is not that we are to be as good of a friend as we can to Jesus so that He will respond to us with a certain kind of love and affection, but that God has moved towards us with a kind of love and friendship that says, I am laying down my life for you. And when we get that, it changes us. When when the message of how God has so loved us and how Jesus has given His life for us and the cost of that, when that begins to trickle down into our hearts, it changes us. What it does is it, it, it makes us the kind of people who want to love like that, who want to give, who want to sacrifice, who want to serve, who want to forgive. Knowing His friendship in experiencing His friendship is the power that enables us to be good friends to one another.
Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We will not love one another unless we know how he has greatly loved us. In a moment, we're going to sing these words. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You that You have shown such great love for us. And Jesus, thank You that You have come so far down to our level and that You have humbled Yourself to such depths that You would call us Your friends. We are friends that You love. We are friends that You watch over. We are friends that You know through and through. We are friends that You have given Your life for. Would You help us to believe it, to receive it, and to share it and extend it to others. And it's in Your great name we pray. Amen.